0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The fewest number of federal employees retired in 2020 than in any of the last 10 years. But with more than 30% of all federal employees eligible to retire in 2022, succession planning efforts are particularly important for agency functions like financial management, which expects to be hit hard by the longtime employees heading into the sunset. Federal News Network's executive editor Jason Miller spoke with members of the CFO Council, who authored a recent strategy where succession planning was a key focus. Mike Wetklow is the deputy CFO at the National Science Foundation. Ben Fix, deputy CIO at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And Steve Kunz, the deputy CFO at Commerce, they outlined CFO Council plans for the future of that workforce. First, we hear from Commerce's Steve Kunz.
2: Our hope is that we will be able to identify or leverage existing technologies that would allow us to create an infrastructure to identify where our needs are, whether or not we have gaps, and to help individual agencies work towards filling those gaps as far as a knowledge base and an experiential base. But we're hopeful that the next steps of this would be each of these strategic goals will end up having a working group assigned to them that will allow, will create an actual plan of action to, to help us come to fruition in each of these goals. This is Mike.
3: Uh, another thing we're doing is getting out there more with universities. I mean, it's not uncommon for an employer to go out to job fairs or things like that, but we're, we're trying to bring in new folks, but we're trying to do it together. So we have, uh, the CFO council just put out a brochure to help, Students, you know, out, out there in the community understand what financial management is, understand uh, the types of uh, careers that they could have uh, coming to work for the federal government. And then uh, one thing I, I tend to think about with succession planning is just the, you know, understanding that so much is going to change between, you know, I mean, it's going to be a lot different than how, how we were kind of brought up on with, you know, operations and compliance and financial systems. I mean. You know, we're, we're finding uh, we have like a renewed emphasis for shared services and, and do less of, you know, the operational work and the grinding work and do more decision support. So there's, there's a shift that we're trying to prepare um, the folks that uh, will succeed us over time.
4: I want to shift to the other goal that maybe hasn't come up yet, but it's probably the hardest goal whenever I see strategic plans like this, which is facilitating culture change. And right here, you talk about shifting from that compliance-based to the decision-based mindset, empowering members of the financial management community to think and act with strategic and value in, in, intent. How is that happening today, and, and
3: what are some plans for the future? This is Mike. I'll, I'll jump on that. I think it, it's it's leadership to help you know drive the change. So some of the you know one of the initiative data cohort that's making sure the leaders are supporting and mentoring, um, you know, people going through the the cohort to know exactly what we're looking for. But it's definitely, I think, in terms of, you know, operations and compliance, we've spent so much time on that, but it's really trying to use these things to reduce the amount of compliance work we have. Let the, let the technology, you know, the robots do some of the manual work, use some of the Decision uh, support uh, tools out there to to build the machine learning algorithms, and so a lot of work that um, we think is a lot of work is is going to be possible with different, you know, t- taking all this uh, technology. So it's really a, a shift that we're planning, but it's um, it's hard, Jason. It, it's uh, you know because we've just been you know brought up on this for so long, but I, I think it's it's good that we recognize that it's it's a key component. Of, of our plan. I often think of like some of our, our Data Act work. I mean, there was you know, such a great foundation that has been uh, placed uh, on the Data Act to get USA spending up because I, I, you know, I can remember like the Recovery Act and all the quick reporting we'd have to do with uh, spreadsheets every two weeks. We got the USA spending, but that that's just the beginning. We have so much more to do and to, you know, take that information to turn it in or take that data, turn it into information and, and help our leadership, you know, understand, you know, the financial risks, opportunities and, you know, decisions they have. This is Ben. I would just add a little bit at NRC and I'm sure other agencies within the CFO Act community, there's efforts to be more modern and risk informed, at least at NRC. We've been on a journey over the past year or two really transforming and, and we've done a great job communicating to um, our stakeholders about progress using social media. So I'd encourage people to check out that progress. But we're really trying to advance the use of risk and technology and be innovative and have a culture that supports um, being modern and empowering staff. So I think to the extent that each agency embeds this within their thinking, it's going to help accelerate everything. And I think having this 10-year vision of the future CFO now is going to help articulate how we are advancing that culture change within the
1: financial community.
4: One of the things that occurs to me is the need to socialize this type of strategy, right? If it's just shelfware as we've talked about many times over the years, it doesn't really, it won't have any impact. What, what, beyond talking to people like myself, which I do appreciate, what are some of the other ways you're going to ensure that the strategy goes from concept to action to really making some
3: changes in the CFO community? Jason, this is Mike. One of the things that's been really good about this plan and this work, Steve and Ben, that we've done there over the last couple of years is really involving the entire CFO council community. So we just, I think we called it spoon feeding, Steve. Remember, we yes. just kept them in the loop with every step we we took and every bit of input they gave us, we we took it. And uh, made the plan better, so the plan wouldn't have been, you know, without that that feedback. But um, but to your point, we just don't, you know, one one approach is kind of like the traditional financial management plans with five, ten, you know, milestones. But th- this is an agile plan where we've got it's really neat. The CFO council they have these these mentimeter polls where you you know you propose an idea, you're there with the whole CFO council and. They, they rate you right there on the spot. I mean, metrics come up and tell you, you know, if, if the group's not interested in it or not, or, you know, get, you know, comments come up, you know, bubble up on these uh, word maps and stuff. But uh, at the end of a meeting, you ask people, is this valuable? And then they rate you right there on the spot and then take the feedback and then do a sprint. Like right now we're starting a, you know, short term sprint to build this initial cohort that's going to, you know, lead to the longer term. Uh, platform work.
2: and then if I could just jump in, this is Steve. If uh, it's our intent to basically solicit continued input and assistance from the CFO Council to have groups look at each of the goals that we came up with in this uh, strategic workforce plan, and identify tangible, real improvement activities that we can, you know, put into play and work towards them and build off of what we all the good work that's already been done. And actually create something that will actually become a reality, so that way we can start seeing our progress towards creating these goals of you know recruiting for the future workforce or doing data driven uh, analytics and and having that actually come into play so that way we actually can see this is where we were, and now this is where we are and and, and employing the entire CFO council and getting their staffs involved in these working groups so that we can actually make something happen. And that in and of itself will then engender a communication effort that we can work with through the CFO council that can build off of and communicate out onto our, the website, as well as through the CFOs of each of the CFOs uh, participating in, uh, at the CFO council to disseminate the activities that are going on as it relates to modernizing the workforce.
1: Mike Wetclough, Deputy CFO at the National Science Foundation, Ben Fix, Deputy CFO at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, and Steve Kunz, Deputy CFO at the Commerce Department, all speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
5: Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama Administration and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority owned businesses. He received a B.S. from the University of South Carolina and an M.P.A. from Harvard University. Rick, welcome and thanks so much for joining me.
0: And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation.
5: Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style?
0: uh, in America, and certainly within me, uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to be uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward.
5: <laughs> Perfect.
0: that I have uh, my willingness to, to fight for change. And that was, that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there have been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, 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 the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, A very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life. And, and it conjured up, again, these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in america is and but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh to help close that divide so there have been so many defining moments uh, uh in my career I, I will tell you even uh after the murder of george floyd and my role at the u.s Ch- chamber of commerce uh to galvanize the business community uh inspired by that tragedy
5: It's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, who is the most impactful leader in your life? And what quality did you admire about them?
0: You know, I, again, I, I can't say that I had I just one, but I would tell you the one person who uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most, and that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values. But the one the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream, which we often define and think of his big, I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So that the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges, it's seeing a forest despite the trees. It's seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that, that attribute, I think, is one that, that I embody. I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I, I learned and that I've tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King.
5: Wow, fantastic. And as someone who's got an extensive background in federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give to feds looking to develop leadership skills? And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there?
0: Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career. Not just for the title and the the, the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk no matter rain, sleet, or snow,
5: And thank you very much for sharing that with us today.
0: Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.
5: I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care.
0: Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure.